everybody. Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hooting, back with Christian Conway and Jamie Bacon. I love... (laughs) Go ahead. Two weeks in a row. I think like we might be making a habit out of this. I know. I'm enjoying this. This is this is quite lovely. It's uh, I love. Yeah, I, I can't believe it. You know, that was the first time we ever played Nashville, and um, and now we, I guess, own country music. Is it the first time we've played them, or the first time we've played them at home? It was the first time we've played them uh, ever. Michelle and I looked this up. <laughs> yeah, because I texted him like right after we recorded. Oh, I go, Wait you're a minute. right, because our Nashville trip was supposed to be 2020, and then COVID hit, and nobody went to Nashville. The generally unpleasantness. Yes. Anyway, Michelle, and then Michelle. I don't even Nashville could have played in the mls's back cup right yeah they got like COVID or something i think it was yeah that's what i thought happened um in my brain i was thinking everyone bought their flights to nashville i don't know what you mean but (laughs) yeah nope yep those these last two years have just been weird no they've really flown by um i digress but I was like, oh, it's time for me to stock up again, like on Sephora stuff. And I was like, I feel like I just bought this face wash. I thought I just bought this moisturizer. Oh, no, no, it's been two years. <laughs> it's been a long time because your boy had finals last night. Thank God that's over. <laughs> yeah. Congrats, Christian. Um, yeah. So thank you to the 11 extra listeners we got last week. Um, and now we are we're back with. I bet that the side of bacon has something to do with that. No, it's you guys. Let's this, be real. The smell of bacon always gets me out of bed. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, I don't want to like stroke my ego here or anything, but like bacon does make everything better or so I've been told. <laughs> All <No>. right. So <laughs> back at home, LA so like, no Galaxy. You can leave. <laughs> No, I wasn't thinking that at all. All I could think about now is bacon on a burger. And I just like one of those Carl's Jr. cheeseburgers, like commercials, like, oh, no, make the drive. I'll make, I'll make a real bacon burger for you. Oh, okay. Thank you. No, I was going to say, I don't think I can even say that. Can I say the slogan or we have to pay for that? Anyways, (laughs) I don't know. I I don't think it's a slogan anymore. No, I know. But it's perpetually 2008 in my head. Um, <laughs> anybody else? No, except for the Galaxy, you know, being a better team, dare I say? I mean, if <laughs> Paris Hilton isn't like doing weird stuff with a cheeseburger on a car, then you know, it's not their slogan anymore. Fair, fair. Oh man, that's not where my head was going when it came to uh, Paris Hilton because I thought we were talking about what Never year it was. Where am I? Gosh, Christian, just like we should just hang up and just do this over again. I'm just kidding. Thank you guys for joining us. This is why we've got everybody here. Um, you know, our last episode was called Don't Hit Snooze, but man, this game was likened to Chicago when it started, I was like, are there really no shots? <laughs> like what is happening? Um, things did not literally liven up until uh, Dijon ended up scoring. So I was sitting in section 135 and I got like a nice view, but I know some people with a bird's eye view or want to rewatch um, the game could, could see more maybe. Yeah. So, so this game is again, one of those odd galaxy games that have popped up this season where and I, I point to the game against Orlando, right, where the Galaxy just you know, pummeled the opposition and just in the final third made a couple of, you know, I, I'm not going to say horrible decisions, but just decisions that, you know, it didn't look like everyone was on the same page. And, and I, I, I think once, you know, but, but I, unlike the game 
against Orlando. You know, they they got one in, and that's that's what matters. And I think, you know, Daniel Nobles takes his his chance incredibly well in in, in the 85th, 86th minute. Um, I, I don't. I think the Galaxy really fell into what Nashville likes, which is to have the game in front of them. You know, have it be slow, have it be you know, have them be defensively solid. You know, at the expense of their attacking ability. I mean, the the possession stats in this game uh, supplied by Corner of the Galaxy. In the first half, the Galaxy had fifty seven percent possession. In the second half, they had seventy five percent possession. I mean, that is pummeling a team in the second half. And I mean, Raheem Edwards basically parked himself at the top of Nashville's box because he knew he wasn't going to have to play defense because Nashville had no intention of running the ball back on him. Um, but I think this is I I I kind of I, I rewatched it and I thought about it a bit because I was at the Wave game that evening. But I I went back and watched it. And I think it's one of those games where I think if you point to the Galaxy, let's say two, three, four years ago, and obviously the 2020 season is weird, yada, yada, yada. I don't think they figure out a way in this game, if that makes sense, in the sense that, you know, I think lesser Galaxy teams would have gotten to the 70th minute and said, okay, you know what? Fine. It's, you know, a nil, nil drop. We're cool. See you next week. But they kept going and they kept fighting. And I, I think, you know, honestly, you, you saw Douglas Costa, who had a couple of really good opportunities. Um, and, of course, we're going to come on the concept of, of Cabral here in a bit. But, you know, Chicharito still running hard in the 90th minute. You know, I, I just don't think previous teams, would, Galaxy teams would have had that. And I think that was kind of the big story point for me in this game, which is they found a way when a lot of other Galaxy teams wouldn't have. I think for me, uh, the difference in this year, whether we win or lose, whether we finish you know, high in the table or we miss playoffs is that it seems that nearly every player on this team has the heart. Whereas in the past years, you'd have like one or two guys who seemed like they had the heart and no one else really cared. You know, they were just going through the motions and getting a paycheck, but every guy, almost every guy out there, I don't know, maybe every guy out there really just seems to actually like care about the badge, care about the fans, care about what is happening in every minute of every game, whether or not we're winning or losing, like they are running until they are dead on that field. And to me, that's, that's the big difference maker in this season. Yeah. And I'm glad that you said that too, because I think that's what partially has contributed to another sellout match. Um, this was the first night game as well, you know, <laughs> this season. Um, it was Saturday. And even though Coachella was happening that weekend, you know, they had the berm open and it was nice to see people sitting up there. And so um, I definitely think the fans can feel it too. I think this is what we've been calling for. Um, to touch on what you said about Cabral, you know, I really didn't think he was as bad where he deserved to be booed I don't think I personally don't think he should be booed off the field like that it's our player um I think you know the guy is struggling for whatever reason um I understand the frustration yes he's a DP yes um you know he's missing opportunities um that he should be getting it you know looks like he's getting dispossessed but really I just don't think it's warranted to bully in the hate I, I think the so his body language looks to me a player that just doesn't feel it. That's really going through it. That happens. The thing I think about what the, the, the two chances that he misses the first one, that's a pretty good save from Joe Willis in, in the Nashville goal. I think 
excuse me, it's an odd angle. You know, Willis gets a fingertip to it. They get a corner out of it and, and almost score on the ensuing corner. Um, the one that I think really got Galaxy fans goat and kind of caused the booing was that chance in the second half where it was that really quick bang, bang interchange of play. And he's in on goal alone and he completely sends it into lower earth orbit. Though, like any other striker in this league does that. And I don't think they get booed off the field, but because I, I think Cabral is a victim of a, of a front office that set him up for failure, if that makes sense. He's a young kid. He's 22, 23, you know, on a five-year deal that was, you know, five, six, seven million dollars. Like that is so much on a player's shoulder. You're moving to a new league. I can, I sympathize with him because I think he wants this to work. You can tell, I mean, he talks about it, you know, he, you know, the way that he kind of carries himself when things aren't going well, you can tell he's frustrated. And it's, I think it's one of those situations and I keep saying it here. He has to see the back of the net once or twice in a game. And I think that kind of just having that confidence and just, you know, having the team show up for you, you know, Vanny was showing up for him. Like the, the support network's there and he's just, you know, it's, it's just got to go in the back of the net once or twice. And I think that it's going to really give him the confidence uh, to your point about it feeling different. I remember we talked in the first episode of this season or uh, not the first episode after the home opener, excuse me. Um, about how that atmosphere felt a little different. There is an air of expectation around this team. And I think that to tie into the Cabral thing, you know, us Galaxy fans were delusional. I think that's fair to say. Um, and so like, you know, one to one at home to Nashville, we know Nashville's going to be stingy. We know that it's going to be hard. That's not a bad result, but, but because of this expectation around this team and how precocious they've been in the attack this year, it almost felt like they should have had two, three, four more. I mean, Efrain Alvarez hits the post. Um, and he's really grown into form this year. I just, I think everyone needs to take a step back a little bit, but I can understand the frustration around Cabral. I mean, for me, look, I can't say that I wouldn't have joined in in the booing because who knows? I mean, once you've had a few adult beverages and you're in the heat of the moment, whatever, I don't know. I wasn't there because I worked a long day and I was tired and legit fell asleep at halftime. Never even saw the second half. Woke up the next morning and was like, Oh crap, we won. That's awesome. But I think when a guy is going through it like that, and I and I don't know how much longer we can say he's going through it. If it's been over a year now, but booing him is never going to improve his mental game. And the mental game is honestly far more important than the physical game. Like the kid has the physical ability, but if the mental game is not there, He's never going to put it in the net. He's never going to be what anyone wants. And that 100% is never going to do anything for him. Um, you know, if anything, it's going to set him back farther, in my opinion, just because he's going to, you know, feel that extra weight of, like, the fans hating him kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm not really sure what the expectations are for him. I mean, I 100% agree. Play Jovalich. But yeah. at the same time, you know, when you're looking at formation and yes, Yolich had come on. Yes, he scored. Yes, we see how it can work when you sub off Cabral. But um, I'm I'm not really sure that even Chicharito should be starting as uh, as often or maybe you should sub him off in the 75th minute if we're up. Like there's there are situations in which. Yeah, I think Vanny can make other decisions. But again, we're not in charge and the world may never know, as we had mentioned. But this match in particular, just the way that the game was going against Nashville, um, 
the match seemed like it was going to be a draw match, no matter who you have put in there. And even until, you know, the whistle blows and the game is over, I thought Nashville could have had a chance still. Like this could have easily been a one, one. Yeah. I mean, there was, I mean, Nashville had one or two chances that I, that, you know, that they, they got in, but you look at this game and I, I think, you know, I point to the, the bond saves. He never looked like he had to make a Jonathan bond, you know, trademark save. He looked very comfortable in goal. I thought the defense played incredibly well. Sega Koulibaly and, and, and Derek Williams, I thought just absolutely dominated anything that, you know, Mukhtar or Lyle were trying to get out, trying to get going. I mean, Williams coming off the injury table and, and with everything he's dealt with, I mean, you know, he's having an absolute blinder of a season in that, in that back line. And so is Sega. I mean, like, this is what we, we expected from last year, right? I mean, this is what we kind of wanted. And if you look at the player positioning maps, I mean, it, it basically played like a, almost like a four two four in the attack. I mean, it was Raheem Edwards and, and Julian Araujo were so easily able to just park themselves in midfield and, you know, use that ability to, to, to dominate uh, Nashville, excuse me, that I just think they were never uncomfortable. And I think obviously they're not going to, every game is not going to be like this. And especially in a Western conference where you're looking at teams like an LAFC, like Seattle, like, you know, Austin, who has started the season on fire, you know, you're not going to have games where it's, it's this straightforward every single week. And that's fine. I mean, that, that is the reality of, of soccer, but I think if you saw what this offense is so capable of, and you saw what this defense is capable of, they conceded a couple of opportunities, but they were never opportunities where I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Oh God, you know, like, okay, Jonathan, you got to come up big here or, you know, okay. Sega or Williams going to make the recovery run. Can they get there? You know, it was, it was, everything was played in front of them, which is, I think, Again, I, I point to this concept that Vanny likes control of game states, and he had both control of the defensive and offensive game state, and it it basically worked to plan. So, Michelle mentioned formation. Are we going to talk about the formations that we'd actually like to see, Mr. Yeah. Conway? Well, I, if if you would like to indulge me in some tactical prowess, I would love to do it. Um, I I, I think. This is where things get a little tricky here because I understand that Vanny likes to ping his wing back wing backs high and likes to have either Mark or Mark Delgado or Ryan Revolution drop into the center back pairing to kind of spread them a little wider so they cover for the space that's lost when you or for the space that's open, excuse me, when you uh you, you pin your wing backs high. So therefore that's why I think the 4231 makes a lot of sense for him and then basically allows you to sit either Costa or Cabral or Efrain or, you know, insert player here right behind Chicharito and then kind of have Chicharito pull into the midfield, like right next to it, that in the attack looks like a four, four, two, and then just use those two to kind of ping wide to, you know, whoever's running into space. I am of the opinion, however, now kind of looking at this game and looking at the Chicago game where I, I was born and tweeting out weird lineup combinations that I thought, Hey, this would be kind of fun to try. <laughs> Cause it's not like Chicago's giving you anything. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to the 4-4-2. And again, <laughs> everything old is new again. <laughs> Reject modernity, embrace tradition. Let's go back, you know. But I, I do think this makes a ton of sense because I think what it allows you to do is what Chicharito has been so good at this year and I, what I think he's been underratedly good at his entire career is that he's a little bit more of a facilitator than we kind of give him credit for. Like you look at the play on the Cabral miss in the second half. I mean, that's Chicharito opening his eyes pinging a pass, understanding, and then creating that interplay 
to spring Cabral. And I think Cabral just didn't realize it was going to land at his feet personally. Um, you know, so I, I, I almost think the 4-4-2, if you're going to play this double pivot of Revolution and Delgado, and it's like one stays, one goes, there's this understanding between the two of them, and they seem to share the same brain in that midfield, then maybe the, the 4-4-2 makes a ton of sense. You know, you get Douglas Costa, Grand Sierra on, you know, I think Cabral is going to be a, a bench, coming off the bench kind of player. Um, it also allows you to use Jovalich a little bit more effectively. I thought he looked really good when he came in, in the 4-4-2. And again, I, I point to this kind of concept of stylistic differences that I think exist between Vanny and Jovalich in terms of how they view utilization. Um, but I just think the 4-4-2 allows you to maximize everything that you've been good at in the attack. And yeah, it's going to require Julian Araujo to stay a little bit more at home than he's comfortable with doing. And because you're going to push Raheem Edwards and inherently you're going to have some imbalance. But I just think with the way that Williams and Koulibaly have been playing in front of the that pivot of Delgado and Revolution, I just think they're so solid in a team defense setting that now it's a question of how do you get the attack firing? Well, maybe the 442 is the way to do this. I don't disagree. I mean, I'm a huge fan of just the classic, right? I mean, even when I play FIFA and I, you know, whatever club I'm going to be, they have their formation. I almost always go to a 4-4-2. It is just the most basic, simple formation that always seems to work. Like with no, no matter what team you are, you can plug in the players to a 4-4-2. Well, the thing about the 4-4-2 also is if you have very good individuals and, you know, it was the whole entire of Bruce Arena concept, which was Bruce played a 4 4 2 because he's like, I just have better players than you, you know, when, whenever they went to opposition players, you know. And so it's it, the concept of, you know, you just put your best players in their best position. And yeah, it does, you know, tactics don't matter, you know, and which the tactics might not, as the resident tactics nerd of, of this podcast, I firmly disagree with, but I can understand where this works for the Galaxy considering Chicharito, considering how good Efrain has been this year how good Grand Sierra is in terms of work rate, how good Raheem Edwards has been. I mean, he leads the, you know, he's tied for the lead in assists in MLS, which we all had that on the bingo card, right? Like we all knew that was going to happen, right? Um, you know, it's, it's I, I, maybe this is the best option. I don't, I don't think it's the best option long-term. I think with the form they're in and considering some of the teams they're play, they're going to play coming up, I think they're going to need, need to transition to a formation that gives them a little bit more flexibility in transition simply because I don't think they're going to dominate games the way they've dominated Chicago and Nashville against, you know, say a Seattle or, uh, you know, LAFC or a, you know, Austin. But I think if you, you know, if you're looking at a game, you're thinking, hmm, you know, I'm playing a defensively solid team. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you make a really good point. Um, what I was thinking based on what you were saying right now was, um, yeah, if they're playing against a Seattle team or anything like that, but their next opponent is Real Salt Lake. And to be honest with you, in my mind, I thought it was Austin. I'm I'm a week ahead in my head. <laughs> so when I was looking as as you were talking, I was like, good thing I I double checked the calendar. Um, Real Salt Lake can be can be sneaky. I think that the Galaxy could be challenged, especially having to play away. Um, and at altitude. Yeah, and at altitude. So I'm I'm actually a little concerned that the Galaxy's unbeaten streak might be snapped this match. I haven't seen anything from RSL in the past three games to make me think they're going to be as... It's a tricky game, agreed, because you have the altitude. 
Rio Tinto seems to be a, a house of horrors for the galaxy. Just, you know, it, it's always seemed to be. Um, but um, it's also funnily the away trip where Jamie and I met for the first time. Um, we don't talk uh-huh. about the game. We just talk about the airport. Goose was the best. Wasn't defender. it them that had like, oh, sorry. Yeah, that was, that was the night the, uh, that really angry duck or goose invaded the pitch and was probably the galaxy's best know. defender that night. But <laughs> no, I thought, but I, I, yeah, I don't think, I hope it's not going to be like that again. No, I thought RSL had come back and, and beat somebody that I'm trying to look it up right now. And I was like, oh, did they really do that? I mean, they're, they're winless in their, in their last five. I mean, they didn't score anything. Okay. You know, they, they, they went six on them over the weekend. Yeah. But okay. NYCFC dropping six at home can happen just simply because that feels weird. So I'm, I don't read too much into it. Yeah, um, then I don't know what team and what game I was thinking of. It's kind of rough. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the Galaxy have looked a lot more stable. I mean, only allowed six goals this season. Three teams have allowed fewer. Um, just one goal from open play. I mean, so they they they, they look solid, uh, which means this is the total stereotypical MLS trap game, right? Um, but I, I do think the, you know, the Galaxy can... It, if the Galaxy can retain the team defensive shape that they've been working on, which I think was probably the biggest emphasis point for Vanny this offseason, which was I'm not letting my defenders get in one-on-one situations anymore because they're bad at that. So like we need to work together as a defensive unit. And I think they've done a very good job of that, at least so far. Um, and, and keep in mind, some of the games the Galaxy have played this year, they've already played some pretty tough games. I mean, Seattle away, LAFC home, um, you know, did they, you know, opening day against NYCFC. I mean, they've, they've played some tough games um, and, they've, and they've gone through relatively unscathed. I think this is a game where the Galaxy can, uh, you know, they can they can do something here. Um, I, I do think, um, again, Real Salt Lake is one of those weird teams where they can pop up and do some stuff and it's difficult and it's weird. And, and they're a team that kind of, as a roster, I, I, I keep telling myself, I like that roster but i don't you know kind of thing um but they're going to have to they're gonna to have to be wary but i think you know with the form they're showing i think just you know they have good questions in the roster which is you know oh you know so the galaxy have very good questions in the roster which is oh that player's playing really good but also that player's playing really good you know like you know who do you start like that's a good question to have um so i think i i feel pretty good about what's possible yeah, I love hearing the depth. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing when you're, um, yeah, just even when you're talking about your formations, I was like, wow, this is the conversation we're able to have in 2022 with the Galaxy team. We haven't had that in what, like five, six years at least? Uh, no question. I mean, like there are, again, parts of this RSL roster. I mean, David Ochoa and Gold can win you a game. We saw that all through the playoffs last year, getting them to a Western Conference final or however far they went, um, you know, Pablo Reese is a good player. Bobby Wood, we all know, you know, is is probably got to think that maybe if he pulls it together, there could be conversation about him coming back to the national team in a World Cup year. Dimer Krylak, I wished came to the Galaxy. Uh, Justin Miram, you know, MLS vet, he's a very good player. Um, you know, the, the, there's Scott Codwell, MLS vet, very good player. Rubio Rubin, who I got to watch for a little bit in San Diego, um, he's a goal threat. Um, but you know, again, there's there's not a lot of players in this roster where I sit there and I'm like okay, this guy has the talent to absolutely rip the galaxy in half. And I think, you know, if you look at the work rates of Chicha, of, um, you know, Delgado and, and Revolution this year, it, that that's spine. I mean, from the center back pairing to the forward line, you know, we, t- we talk a lot about spines, right? And, and Jamie will test considering the fact that Manchester United has no spine right now. Um, 
that's but... rude. <laughs> it's not wrong, but that's just freaking rude. But I, uh, I, I do think the Galaxy have, you know, that the the foundational spine of this team is really, really good. And the one game where that was tested was LAFC, and they still got through it. But, I mean, we talked about it in the episode, Michelle and I, and they struggled. You know, they, it's that second half. They, they you know, really missed Delgado. So I think seeing everyone to get together, knowing that that spine exists, it provides a lot of comfort. So uh, thinking back to, to your statement, I do agree it could be a trap game, but I also firmly believe it could be a statement game. You know, RSL's only, I think, uh, three or four points behind us in the standings. You know, obviously not a terrible club. Going into their home in a place where we, over the last handful of years, have not been historically great. If we come out, even with a good draw, not a, not a crappy Chicago draw, but a good draw or a win, it's it's setting a standard and, and uh, definitely um, a positive for the club and something to look forward to for the rest of the season because it's it's proving that they can go into a place that they haven't been able to play in in a while and say, hey, we're here and we're not going anywhere. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you look at the results this season for Real Salt Lake. I mean, a credible win over the New England Revolution, defending sh- supporter shield winners. They beat Nashville. They beat Seattle. They beat, you know, th- those are tough games. You know, the only kind of result that I point to and I'm like, that's not good was the 6-0 against NYCFC, but again, NYCFC defending on Lost Cup champions, angered by what happened in the CONCACAF Champions League. You know, sometimes, you know, when a team gets a couple of bad results and just needs to go out and beat someone, and all of a sudden you look at the calendar and you realize you're going to be the team that they're going to go out and just absolutely pummel. And it's like, oh, that was basically like probably what Real Salt Lake was feeling in the Bronx. I wouldn't uh, know because we didn't lose to them. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just think this, again, this is a game where they have to be wary, but I think just what I saw against Nashville, that re- relentless attack. I mean, just Nashville was on their knees, basically asking for the death blow for a solid 45 minutes. If they can do that to, to any, this could be a, a statement of we can do this to any team in the league. And if that's the case, then I really feel good about the galaxy moving forward. Yeah. I definitely would love to see that. I don't want to be nodding off for a third game in a row. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of Xanax for the, uh, the El Trafico, like in the after aftermath of that, like they wanted to put two games to calm us down a little bit for our good. Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking the Galaxy are just going to have to have that momentum because when you're facing Austin, who jumped us um, in the West on that table, uh, like you said, who a team that has been playing pretty good coming out the gate, um, the Galaxy are going to have to to be on their toes. Yeah, I mean, Austin is a little surprising too right now uh, with the like club turmoil that's going on. I don't know how much you guys know about this. I don't. Uh, Christian, you know anything about it? I, I, I'm not sure what you're referencing. So uh, I can't remember his name, but one of their DPs, um, there was a police investigation for some sort of like uh, at least verbal. I don't know if it was physical abuse. The police were at his house. From my understanding, club representation was there to like be a part of everything or whatever. But this guy, they're one of their top DPs has not been playing for a handful of weeks now because of this whole thing. And they're still dominating. 
as a team people dominating so so i'm curious to see you know what the club the club statement is about that and whether or not this guy even comes back to play yeah it's uh, cecilia dominguez i did see a, a quick note on that I, I i didn't follow the story um but i mean you know obviously we'll talk about austin next week um but i mean maxi rudy banging the goals what is it 2012 oh, for sure. they're still they're still tearing it up and that's but, it's pretty exciting to see a club come in and do that like kind of kind of to close up this this episode i mean if you look at the next three games for the galaxy right i mean a winnable game a winnable if tricky game in real at real salt lake you know they, they play austin away and i i you know i'm gonna preview what i'm gonna say next week so you're gonna get a preview of next week's pod dear lord everyone pray and hold hands because that one's gonna be a tough one yes and then they play cal united strikers in the open cup and i mean I will be there. They are going to bang in the goals against Cali. If they play, if they play like one third of the way they played against Nashville, I mean, they're just going to bang in the goals. And I think that could, you know, a, I cup, will be there. a cup run, you know, two good wins in, that, in the league out of three, you know, maybe things aren't so bad. <laughs> yeah. I definitely look forward to seeing what happens and uh, Jamie, not to put you on the spot, but you're going to be on the next episode. Is this a Wednesday occurrence? Is this like a double header every Wednesday? I guess we got that. That can be. <laughs> I mean, if it's a thing, then it's a thing. I can't say no. I mean, otherwise, I'm just sitting here waiting to record the next podcast. <laughs> Sounds great. So, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, thank you, Christian and Jamie. As always, Jamie, uh, you're always welcome to come back and we will be in touch. <laughs>